Welcome to the Grass-Fed Podcast with certified nutrition consultant and creator of the wellness hub, grassfedgirl.com, Caitlin Weeks. Listen in while she interviews her natural-minded friends and colleagues about how to enjoy relaxed paleo and low-carb living. Caitlin's husband, professional chef and co-author of Mediterranean Paleo Cooking, Nabil Boomerar, often stops in to answer questions about gluten-free cooking. Get ready to learn about a holistic lifestyle that is rewarding and fun. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Grassfed Podcast. We're so excited you're joining us today. We have expert Melissa Diane-Smith on the line. She's going to talk to us about GMOs and how they can hurt or help us and all the pros and cons. I'm really excited. It's one of my most favorite topics to topics to hate. So uh, um, we're just really excited that she's here with us today because I think there's a lot of misinformation about GMOs out there, and she's going to set us straight. So... Over here in Nashville, I've been having a great summer. If you listened to my last podcast, I went to Italy, went to North Africa, did a lot of tasty food research, and it was nice to have not so many GMOs around. Um, And then I came back, I went to Wisconsin for a week with my family for a wedding, and it was really fun to go to Wisconsin because it's very cool up there, no mosquitoes. And as soon as you came back to Nashville, it's hot, (laughs) mosquitoes. But whatever. Uh, I love the sun and all that, so I'm not going to complain. But Wisconsin was really beautiful. I loved all the, they have a lot of farmer's markets, a lot of um, the Great Lakes are just amazing. So if you get up to Wisconsin in the summertime, it's really nice. I went to uh, Washington Island. It was one of the top 10 beaches in the world. So if you ever get up there, it was really, really awesome. Lots of good food along the way. We got out our Yelp apps and found some really good farm-to-table eats all the way up and down. So I indulged a little too much in the frozen custard, which is the specialty of Wisconsin. So I'm sure I had a few GMOs, but maybe Melissa can help us figure out how to combat the the effects of those. So I'm going to tell you a little bit more about her. Melissa Diane Smith is an internationally known journalist and holistic nutritionist who counsels clients across the country and specializes in using food as medicine for people with a wide variety of different health conditions. She is author of the new book, Going Against GMOs, as well as Going Against the Grain and the Gluten-Free Throughout the Year. She also wrote The Syndrome X, the complete nutritional program to prevent and reverse insulin resistance. I don't know anybody who has their insulin resistance. <laughs> just kidding. Okay, so we're just so excited. Welcome, Melissa. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, Caitlin. I'm, I'm really pleased to be here with you today. Uh, well, congrats on your new book. That's exciting. Yeah, thank you. I'm uh, I'm really happy it's getting out there because it's one of those underground topics that, like you say, not many people really know about. Um, We've all been kept in the dark about this topic for 20 years, and I think it's time to shine a light on it so people can know what they're eating or or choosing not to eat. (laughs) Yeah, I think there's a lot of confusion around it, so we'll sort through a lot of that. But tell us a little bit about your story. What 
you know, what was your health journey and why did you get interested in, you know, kind of alternative health? Yeah, well, my, my story is in some ways similar to yours, which is that I was, you know, eating what, what people suggested we eat, um, you know, the grain-heavy diet that, that uh, our government uh, espouses. And um, in my 20s, I lost my health. Uh, it especially got bad once I graduated from journalism school and I became a public relations writer for a world-famous health spa, and they were pushing grains on people. And so I ate that diet, and I gained 30 pounds, and I developed chronic fatigue syndrome, where I felt like I had the flu every day of my life. And I went through a series of seeing eight different doctors who either did nothing for me or kind of acted like I was crazy. And I finally just decided, you know, look, what I eat must have some bearing on this. So I tried different diets, including a vegetarian diet, which made me feel sicker and um, and actually gained more weight. And then eventually I found out that when I cut the grains out, especially the gluten grains, all of a sudden um, pounds just started to effortlessly drop off me. And I um, started to get over these constant viral symptoms that that I had all the time. Um, So that was the key to regaining my health. And I didn't really understand exactly why. I went back and got some nutrition training. Um, I started to counsel clients. And one by one by one, I found that the answer to their problems were they needed to cut the grains out or at least dramatically limit them and and um, replace them with non-starchy vegetables. And uh, that's what really prompted me to write my first big book, Going Against the Grain. And, um, and actually in that book, Going Against the Grain, I did write about genetically modified corn a little bit because that was the main genetically modified food at the time. Um, But that was, you know, there were a lot of other points in that book that people picked up on, but people mainly missed the points about GMOs. Um, And so I went back and I um, started looking at it again a few years ago, doing really in-depth research into it. And um, and it just so happened I got a client who came and saw me named Marsha, and her story is in the introduction to Going Against GMOs, my new book, but it really made me realize that I can't talk about therapeutic diets anymore without addressing the big elephant in the room, that many of our foods are no longer real food anymore. Um, multinational chemical corporations have changed our God or nature given foods on the inside in the most radical ways ever. (laughs) And none of us were going to be able to get back, you know, to stay well or get well without understanding those basic facts. (laughs) Okay. I hope I don't cry. (laughs) Um, the, uh, the, cause it's so upsetting to me that this is happening. Uh, but 
so that kind of answers my next question, you know, that how did your interest, you know, start in the GMOs and uh, how did you, I think there's also a lot of confusion because people confuse hybridization with GMOs and they think they've always been around and, you know, that's just not true, right? Right. No, it's not true. Um, first of all, traditional breeding is you, you, um, mate similar, similar, um, they're all in the same family, I guess you could say. Um, GMOs are using a radically different technology where you take the gene, you insert genes from one living thing into the DNA of an unrelated living thing to create a genetically modified organism or GMO that would never occur in nature. So it's, this isn't on the market, fortunately, but one, you know, one example of that would be to put a fish gene in a tomato, for example. So it, it can be really strange combinations of, of genetic engineers playing God with our food. Um, but the two most common types of genetically modified foods on the market are those that have been engineered to have a little bit of insecticide inside every bite of food and those that resist and don't die from repeated applications of herbicides like Roundup. Um, so, you know, no one likes the idea of eating those types of foods, but then when they really learn the basic facts, and like I say, this has all been kept from the American public for forever, so most people only get little bits and pieces of this information, but when they learn just basic facts... Um, you know, they start to realize that GMOs are not in our best interests at all. They're just completely made to benefit the chemical corporations that make them, um, that give that you know give huge profits to those chemical corporations, and they just put us and our environment at huge risk. Well, it goes hand in hand, right? Because it's like. They make the seeds, and then they make the chemicals that go with the seeds, like the the pesticides, and you know they go together. Right. And then they exactly. pat and they patent the seeds. So then you have to buy that certain seed, and then you have to buy the right chemical that goes with it to kill whatever. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Um, like you say, they go hand in hand. Um, a company like Monsanto um, makes the Roundup, which is the herbicide that kills weeds, but then they now make um, these genetically modified seeds that create crops that are resistant to the Roundup. So they spray everything in sight with Roundup, and it's supposed to resist that. So they're now, you know, like you say, patenting the seeds. They won't allow farmers to pass down seeds like they have for millennia. Um, and um, it's uh, it's just a very bad deal for farmers, for for the general public that wants, you know, food in the public domain. Um, when people really start to realize that corporations have been taking over control and ownership of more of our food for their profit, 
they realize that it's an anti-democratic issue we have to stand against. So that's one of the reasons why the non-GMO movement is growing like wildfire. But, but I mean, you know, animals research points to serious health risks from eating genetically modified foods, including infertility, immune system problems, gastrointestinal problems, organ changes, and even tumors. Um, what was that French I, study you see with all those rats with the tumors? What was the deal with that? Yeah, that was actually the most, most of those studies that I just named, and most of the health risks are even from short-term studies, but, but that rat study was the first long-term study. In other words, they studied the effects of eating um, genetically modified foods, I believe it was corn and soy, that were um, resistant to herbicide like Roundup. And over the course of the lifetime of those rats, and those particular rats had an average lifespan of about two years, and they saw what happened. And in the male rats, they had severe liver and kidney damage. And then the female rats, they had these disfiguring mammary tumors um, and, and, you know, both sexes had uh, greatly reduced lifespan. Um, so, you know, we aren't rats, but if they're doing that to us, and then you also know that Roundup, which is um, the majority of genetically modified foods are made to be resistant to Roundup, to, to the active ingredient Roundup called glyphosate, and you know that the International Agency for Research on Cancer um, just last year looked at all the research and, and deemed that glyphosate is a probable human carcinogen and it probably causes cancer in humans. And you realize that all of our food is being sprayed with that, all gen- genetic or most genetically modified foods then you you know why people are, you know, up in arms that they don't want to be eating it. That's the health side of it. But then um, in terms of what it does to the, I mean, it does, it threatens our environment, our food security, our agricultural system. Um, you know, the, the glyphosate. Well, it never goes away, right? I mean, it's like it, it lasts forever in the water. Right. And- well, it pollutes our land. It gets into our water. It gets on and in our food. Um, we know that the uh, uh, glyphosate, the active ingredient in Roundup, kills milkweed, which is the primary food for monarch butterflies. Mm-hmm. So if you care about the, the environment and about living things, it's very harmful to, to amphibians like frogs and can kill them very easily. So it's, it's a toxic thing that's getting into our environment because of this industrial food system that has been set up to benefit companies like Monsanto, and it's a terrible deal for us. Well, um. When did you become aware of GMOs and, 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 you know, did you see some benefits in your practice when you were helping people to avoid them? 
Well, like I say, I became aware of GMOs when I was writing Going Against the Grain way back in um, the early 2000s. And I turned on a, um, a, a the news and I found out that um, some that there was a recall of a type of genetically modified corn called startling corn and it was linked to it wasn't supposed to get into our, our human food supply but animals were supposed to eat it so you know that's a whole other thing they didn't think about well what happens to us when we eat those animals but it did get into our food supply through um things like taco shells and some people were having extreme allergic reactions to it. One had um, one was reported on CBS News as having anaphylactic shock to it, and I thought, "Well, gosh, if you know this, this is one type of genetically modified corn that's been made um, to uh, to uh, you know be uh, resistant to herbicide and have its own." Most types of corn usually have its own, their own pesticide inside every corn, and that's one type. Now that was recalled, but um, but many many other types of of corn genetically modified in those ways have been on the market since then. And so it's not true that there have never been any cases of of GMOs that have made people sick. There definitely has, but that was you know, covered briefly and then kind of forgotten and nobody really put it together. But that was way back then, and I did warn against genetically modified corn and going against the grain. But then, um, you know, I got busy with other parts of my work, and, and like most people, we really weren't thinking about what was going on. In the meantime, more and more foods were starting to be genetically modified, and and pushed into all of our packaged foods in hidden ingredients. And, um, but I, I started to relook at the research um, in about 2010. And I, as I said, just about that time, um, a client of mine named Marsha came to see me. She had been eating gluten-free for eight years before she came to see me, but she still had like a wide range of health problems, including many food allergies and a supposedly incurable immune system condition. And because of the research I had delved into about GMOs, I suggested that she remove the GMOs from her diet and she did, and the results really astounded both me and her. Her health problems improved across the board. The immune cell counts that tested that were tested to monitor her immune system problem normalized, and she actually saved $7,000 in medical expenses in the first year of avoiding GMOs. Wow. So that was, that was really the... The, you know, that had such a powerful impact on me. I thought, I can't really let this go. I have to write about this. And, of course, writing about it at that time, I mean, I had some, some traditionally published books, but nobody, no traditional publisher was going to touch this topic. 
Um, it's it's a completely underground topic. Nobody wants to go up against Monsanto or anything like that. And I had to be very, very careful with my facts and just report the facts in the book. But I felt it was really like a duty of mine to get this information out to the American public that has been hidden to them for so long. Now, I will tell you in counseling clients, I think for many of us, eating GMOs, just, just we don't have such a dramatic effect as what, what uh, was happening with Marsha. And when we, we avoid them, we always get better because we're not eating processed foods, but we might not notice it as dramatically as Marsha. But remember, most of these are pesticide doubts, and over time, you know, pesticides um, have all types of deleterious effects, such as on our immune system and everything like that. So it's just uh, it just makes common sense that we should be getting back to the real um, organic food that our ancestors ate and maintain their health with. And not these pesticide doused, you know, uh, Franken foods well, that think, none of us have had any experience eating. Absolutely. I mean, I think people don't understand the difference between like an anaphylaxis reaction and my and like moderate food sensitivities that accumulate over time, and then and then they they masquerade as or you know are a part of. Things like fibromyalgia, infertility, you know, all these conditions that are so common and they don't see that this could be an integral piece of that, right? Exactly, right. And when you're sick with some kind of chronic condition, um, the, the main thing you want to do is lighten the load on your immune system, right? Try to, mm-hmm. try to limit all kinds of chemicals that the body has a hard time processing and one of the main ways we're getting chemicals these days is just hidden in our food. If you think of of Roundup Ready corn, if you're eating cornflakes for breakfast or something like that, it's almost like you're getting Roundup right there in your in your cereal bowl. Um, so well, the American you, diet is three times a day corn and wheat and soy, and you know it's three times a day back to back to back of the, that type of food. And so you don't have, your body has no chance to like recover. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I mean, you know, there are good reasons to avoid those foods. You know, all of those foods that you just mentioned, corn, soy, and wheat are problematic for other reasons. I mean, they, they aren't good for us for other reasons, which I explain in going against GMOs. Um, so a lot of people go out of their way to just buy non-GMO versions of those foods, and same with sugar. They buy non-GMO versions of sugar. But we know that, that all of those foods cause health tr- trouble over time. I mean, you know that. You know that because of your your experience with Hashimoto's um, thyroid condition and, and, you know, eating a lot of soy and, 
and um, eating too much sugar. And unfortunately, you know, most Americans just don't get this basic information. So we're getting the wrong information. We're eating the wrong way. And we don't understand that these foods are known to cause health problems. I mean, I just moved. I lived in San Francisco for 10 years, you know, and then I had moved back to Nashville. And seeing the, you know, I had to move basically to the epicenter of the GMO movement and go to nutrition school. And that's the way I had to learn about and get a chronic disease. <laughs> and that's how I learned. But, you know, come back here, it seems like no nobody else has like, I mean, I've met, I've met people who understand things, but it's like, they have the same understanding that I did before any of that happened to me. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> there's a lot. Yeah. Of stuff. <laughs> well, and, and that's why, I mean, the good news, Caitlin, is that, you know, what you're doing, helping people eat a paleo diet. The, the great news is if you can take the person on the average American diet and get them on a paleo diet, they're automatically eating in a way that makes their body thrive, but they're also avoiding almost all the direct sources of GMOs that we were just talking about, the worst ones, the big five, um, corn, uh, cotton, seed oil, canola oil, uh, soybeans, and sugar. Um, and, and so, you know, you automatically take those out when you go on a, a paleo grain-free diet. Um, now that was, you know, that's still the way to start people, uh, always. And that's the easiest way for them. And, and to just do this, like going against the grain concept I described, taking encouraging them to take the grains out and replace them with non-starchy vegetables now fortunately most vegetables are not gmo right now and most fruits aren't but that's changed a little um and we're we're starting to get to a stage which is why we need all hands on deck in this fight against genetically modified foods we're starting to get to a stage when now they're starting to genetically modify whole foods instead of just genetically modifying these like subsidized foods that they put derivatives in um, a lot of processed foods and we get them that way. Now they're starting to genetically modify foods like apples and potatoes and zucchini and yellow squash. Um, those are the main ones that people want to a paleo or primal diet might need to know about that they have to, you know, specifically go out and get organic varieties of those foods as a way to avoid the GMOs. <clears throat> well, we're going to talk about more about the, you know, navigating your grocery store in a sec, but I just wanted to ask you, uh, so what are some of the rationales that, the companies are using or the government or whatever, you know, propaganda is out there to tell us that GMOs are safe. And, um, you know, what is some, and, and what, you know, like, what is, why do people buy into the, the reasons too? Well, the, the main thing is they say that they're going to increase 
yields of crops and help feed the world, you know, the growing population. And they also, the biotech companies also said that they would reduce the amount of pesticides used on foods. Now, the pesticide claim is completely false. It, it, it turns out, um, it, I mean, it's, it's actually hard to believe that 527 million more pounds of herbicides were used on genetically modified um, key crops of corn, cotton, and soy between 1996 when GMOs first came on the market and 2011. So the first 16 years of genetically modified crops being used on the market, 527 million more pounds of herbicides. I mean, it's, it's just, it's practically mind-boggling. Um, and when you know that that herbicide is a probable carcinogen, you see what a serious problem that is. In terms of, of um, helping to increase yields, um, herbicide-tolerant genetically modified corn and soy don't increase yields any more than conventional. Um, and traditional breeding actually outperforms genetic engineering way more. In some cases, things like um, drought-resistant organic way outperforms um, genetic genetic uh, modifications. So, so it, it's um, it, it's a lot of a lot of I guess you could say propaganda that the companies have put out there, and people have bought it hook line, hook line and sinker because the main mainstream media corporations are are you know writing that because they get that from the biotech companies that are buying advertising and things like that. So it's a very deep seated problem to get the real information out to the people. It's, it's a topic that has been suppressed, for sure. Uh, um, have you ever felt, like, nervous about sharing this information or scared? Or? No, I was very nervous when I first started to write the book. And um, the, big, the first few chapters, I literally have, like, a reference or a source for <laughs> almost every, every uh, point that I'm making. Um, but I realized that there's enough information out there. What I'm saying isn't even really controversial. I'm not even talking about some of the controversial issues of GMOs. It's just basic stuff. They have increased um, the use of herbicides, 527 million more pounds. And, you know, I have, I have uh, references to back that up. So I, I didn't write it as like, this is my opinion type of book. I wrote it. The reason I felt that there was a, re, uh, um, a big need for this book is there's a growing movement of people who want to avoid GMOs. That's the story. And I could, as a journalist, you know, explain that, explain all the ways that there's so many people who want to avoid these, like, sales of, of GMO, of non-GMO project verified foods and organic foods are skyrocketing and explain those facts and explain the reasons why in depth about why people want to avoid them. 
and have people make up their own minds because honestly, if anybody gets just the real basic information, um, not clouded by what the biotech companies are spouting, they realize nobody would want these. I mean, they're a bad deal for us. They're a great deal for the chemical corporations that make them. I mean, yeah, it blows my mind. And I mean, if, you know, if you don't believe it, then just try it for a little bit and see how you feel or see if, you know, if you have a kid with allergies or something like that, just try it for a few weeks and see if they feel better. You know, you don't have to have some big study. Just try it in your own home. I mean, that's the basis. I'm sure as you went to, you know, study nutrition, that's the basis is elimination diet. Just start with that and then see how you feel and observe and then add something back and see how you react. And then you'll have some big, uh, you know, have some GMO taco shells and see how you feel. Uh, well, I mean, that's true, too. But, but the, you know, the other thing to know is just that by taking out GMOs, you, you're automatically going to be going from a more processed diet to a more whole foods diet. And you're going to feel better after. In fact, I have a chapter in my book and also it's on my website, melissadiansmith.com, called the Eat GMO Free Challenge. And People can just start at the beginning of a month, one by one, following a tip a day to learn how to take GMOs out of their diet. And you, if you actually follow that for 31 days, you're going to go from typical American processed diet to a uh, um, whole foods diet rich in vegetables, and you're going to feel better, you know, because you're getting all the nutrients of vegetables um, all the enzymes, all the, you know, uh, antioxidants and things like that. And, and as you know, all, all of those foods, those, let's say, white flour products that have corn, derivatives of corn, soy, sugar, canola hidden in them, they're empty calorie foods that just fatten up, uh, us up and, um, and, and don't give us the nutrients our bodies need to thrive well um another thing that you know happens along the way i'm sure you would you would tell your people this is that your gut heals along the way when you remove uh gmos and of course most of those are grains and then your immune system gets better and you have more energy and your skin is younger looking and on and on and on so you sleep better and all those things go along with it, right? Exactly. Yeah. What the food we eat today can create the us of tomorrow. And most people don't realize how quickly, you know, cells turn over. The body keeps doing this constant breaking down and rebuilding stage. So if you completely change your diet, you're going to create a brand new you within a probably a month. <laughs> so... Yeah, I mean, I saw it over and over. I, I didn't work with, I worked with clients for about a year in San Francisco. I mean, I was a personal trainer for many years before that, but that was before I really knew about all this stuff. So, um, I mean, I would help them reduce sugar and not eat so much processed foods and stuff, but, well, less bread, I guess. Uh, but 
then I learned, you know, more about holistic nutrition and all that stuff. And I mean, they, they would, in a few weeks, you know, their whole lives would change. Their labs were just completely, like, their doctors were just blown away. You know, they had no longer high blood pressure and, um, and like, and, you know, their insulin resistance went away. They had normal, you know, fasting glucose and all that stuff. And, and the same thing, you know, it's hand in hand with the GMOs because most of those foods that we tend to eat are genetically modified. Um, so quickly, let's just take us on a grocery store tour. I mean, not, not quickly, but I don't want to keep you all day. I'm sure you're busy, but, uh, the grocery store tour kind of, you know, can you, can you go to the grocery store or do you have to like shop in, you know, Amish farm country or what's going on here? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's easier, um, to go either to shop in a natural food supermarket or, um, farmer's markets, but you can still buy some foods in regular grocery stores. Then, you know, you should be looking for non-GMO project verified and organic foods, but also it's really important for people to learn, the 11 genetically modified foods on the market. And the way I like to teach this to people is there are three C's, two S's, two A's, two P's, a Y, and a Z. So it's corn, canola, and cottonseed oil, sugar, and sugar from sugar beets, alfalfa, um, which is fed to livestock, and we'll talk about that, and and apples, which now are just arriving in some stores this year, papaya from Hawaii and China, potatoes, which started arriving last year, and yellow squash and zucchini. So if you can keep those those foods in mind, and then you go around the grocery store, you realize that any other vegetable or fruit um, other than yellow squash and zucchini, papaya, apple, and potatoes is going to be free of GMOs. You know that emphasizing vegetables and to a lesser extent fruit is like a really safe way to go. So you spend a lot of time in the produce department and of course buy organic as much as possible because even if they aren't GMO, there a lot of times they're sprayed with um, herbicides that are, are toxic to us over time. Um, and then avoid the foods in the inner aisles. Um, you know, those foods, the processed packaged foods tend to be full of derivatives of corn, canola, soy, and sugar. Um, and then in terms of of meat and even dairy products, um, you have to seek out organic and pasture-raised or grass-fed sources. Now, that's very hard to do in a traditional um, supermarket, most traditional supermarkets. Some of them have some options there, um, but you can do that much more easily in a natural food supermarket. And then if you go to farmer's markets, you know, you, re- you should really talk to the farmer or the rancher and ask the questions and say, you know, 
is your um, is your mead from cattle that are a hundred percent grass fed and grass finished, and then you say um, you know there's no supplemental corn or soy given to them. And just see how they react. I mean, you will get an idea if they know what they're talking about. And they um, are, you know, some of them are very, very up on the issue. And they say, no, absolutely, I won't feed my my cattle GMOs. And it's, if they try to evade your questions, avoid your questions, then, you know, you probably should be going somewhere else. And sometimes they just, well, sometimes they'll just tell you straight up. Because they don't know anything's wrong with it, they'll just say, oh, well, yeah, we finished them on corn or whatever. You know, they'll be like, that's because that's what a lot of people want for the taste. You know, the fatty taste is finishing on corn, you know. Right. They'll brag right. about but, it, you know. But we know, we know that they, the new, I mean, besides from the GMO issue, we know that 100% grass-fed meats are, you know, way higher in most nutrients and, and more better in fat and the fat profile than conventionally fed meats. So we know that they're just overall better for our health, um, but um, it, it, goes, it takes a new level when you're talking about you know, animals that might have been fed these, these, you know, untested foods that um, are sprayed with outrageous amounts of herbicide. So if people are, I mean, I know my regular grocery store, you know, here we have a Kroger, we have a Publix, and they do have some organic meats. I mean, do you believe that you still can get like organic corn and soy to feed to animals? Yeah, I mean there, the, the there is. I mean there's there's a greater demand um, right now, and I mean literally companies are scrambling to find sources because that's what I was talking about the growing non-GMO movement, the growing organic movement. The people are, you know, it's a grassroots movement, and the people want it. So. Eventually, even though our government isn't cooperating and giving us the labeling that people want and they keep adding more foods that are deregulated and added onto the market, the people really can use their purchasing power to change things. And they already are. I have many examples in my book of how um, companies are just scrambling to find new um, non-GMO sources and organic sources of, of animal feed and of ingredients because they know it's a black mark against their product if they have GMOs in it. And, and like you say, there are many areas of the country where people still don't know that much about it, but gradually, little by little, it's starting to spread and more and more people are becoming aware of it. And the main thing is they just don't know how to go about it. But my book just explains step by step to how to how to avoid this, even without labeling. You know, 64 other countries have clear labeling on their foods. We don't, and that's a real mark against us. It's the same with Canada. Canada followed our lead and, and doesn't have labeling. 
Um, and now it's going to get even more confusing because President Obama signed a, a bill that is maybe going to allow companies to put <clears throat> strange QR codes and that yeah. doesn't really give clean labeling, but it really doesn't matter because we have the information of how to do it. If you just learn the genetically modified foods on the market and either avoid those foods or look for organic or non-GMO project verified versions of those foods. That's what I was going to say about the dark act, right? That's what it's called. Uh, yeah. That, that I had I, the other day, I mean, I, I'm very, I mean, I'm a blogger, so you have to be pretty technically savvy and things like that and stay up on a lot of things. But I had to Google, like, how to use a QR code because I saw, you know, that that's how they're going to be labeled. And I was like, well, how do you do that? And then I was thinking, then I read another article about how that was very discriminatory because that's like saying that all people have to have a smartphone. And I mean, I'm sorry, but my smartphone cost me about $100 a month. Like, a lot of people don't have access to that. And I just, I was kind of blown away. I didn't think about that aspect of it until I read that article. And I was like, that's really awful, you know. It's completely discriminatory. And then, you know, you always have to ask, even if you know nothing about the GMO situation, you have to ask yourself, well, why would these companies, if GMOs are so great, why would these companies want to be hiding the information? <laughs> There's no good reason if they're a good thing for us. They want to hide the information from the, the American people because, you know, we've been buying them and eating them because we didn't know we were but if 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 it was clear that this was a genetic genetically modified food people you know they don't like lower costs they don't do anything they don't improve nutrition they don't do anything to benefit the consumer so why would people want to take the risk instead of going with food that we've eaten for you know ever why would they why would they want to go with some newfangled food we've never eaten and it's not really even a food it's a laboratory created um, you know also why would the companies fight so hard to keep the information behind closed doors you know if it was so good or so if there was nothing wrong with it why would they fight so hard to hide it you know well, right, exactly. So when you just look at the, again, like I'm telling you, the basic facts, when these are just like laid out for people, they get really angry about it. Just like you said you were at the beginning of this interview, just like I was when I was trying to gear her up to write. I mean, I was almost so angry. It's like I didn't even know if I could think straight to write the, the book. But I had to because I thought, I need to try to put this in, in like easy to understand terms. The first consumer's guide written in easy to understand terms so Americans can finally understand this issue just like, you know, people in Europe understood it and, and they're either clearly labeled or in many places they're banned GMOs, but we haven't been educated enough to, you know, be able to force that. So the more people are getting educated, the more there's a non-GMO movement and the more that companies are going to have to respond or they're going to go out of business. Well, I think, you know, like you were saying, I mean, as far as legislation goes, 
and just like with our health in general, we have to be our own advocates, but with our pocketbook and, and ev- educate ourselves. And because we can't rely even on our doctors to protect us. It's like you just have to uh, educate yourself. And I mean, short of, you know, becoming a homesteader, which I don't want to do, but <laughs> I know a lot of my friends have done that um, because they don't trust you know, anything that comes out of the store or, you know, uh, but I don't, I'm not ready for that. Uh, so. Yeah, and most people are, I mean, like you say, there are those people who can grow their own food and, and all of that, but then there are many people who are busy in their everyday lives and they can't, but I'm here to tell you, no, you can, you can buy food in grocery stores and especially natural food supermarkets you just need to know what to look for, and and it's a process. Uh, honestly, if you just teach people to go from um, eating their typical grain products to eating non-starchy vegetables in those in that place, that takes out the majority of direct sources of GMOs. And then the the next step after that is just doing a gradual upgrade to um, improved sources of, of meat, um, you know, the organic grass-fed, 100% grass-fed meat sources we were talking about. And that's usually a process for people because it is more expensive. Um, but, um, you know, you can get them to go pretty far. I mean, I have seen dramatic improvements in health just from getting people to take out the direct sources of GMOs that are hidden in all our processed foods. And maybe they haven't made the total transition to all pure meat, but, um, but they still get benefits. Um, so it, it, that's a good because you, you know, a lot of people think if I can't do it a hundred percent, I can't do it at all. No, if everybody does their part and some person, you know, avoids GMOs 33% of the time, some person avoids them 50% of the time, another person avoids them 75% of the time. And then there are some who are really strict about avoiding them. Every single one of, of, of us who are doing that to whatever extent we can do it, is all creating a movement that will change how 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 company what kind of foods companies create and and eventually change our food system. We're actually we actually have a lot more consumer power to change things than we think we do. Well, I mean, absolutely. I mean, just in the last several years, I mean, since paleo movement has become more popular, I mean, I mean, it, which of course helps the non-GMO movement, uh, you get, there's so many more products geared towards that market than there used to be. I mean, when I started, there was no snacks, there was nothing you could buy pre-made that you could just eat. You had to make everything yourself. And now it's like, oh, well, you can get jerky, you can get this, you can get that. I mean, you don't even have to cook if you don't want to. I mean, (laughs) now, um, several years later. So they are listening for sure. And we are definitely voting with our pocketbook. Now I know we're trying to wind down, but I just have a, that you were talking about the meat with the grass and the alfalfa. I mean, I, I've tried to buy non-GMO grass seeds and it doesn't seem like they exist. So how does the grass and the alfalfa come into play with the cows? 
Well, Scott's company has developed a few types of genetically modified grasses, um, including herbicide-tolerant Kentucky bluegrass and creeping bentgrass, which is, you know, sometimes used on, like, golf courses and things like that. Um, what happened was that... that uh, uh, Scott was fined $500,000 for, um, for their, I believe it was their bent grass that, um, spread like 20 miles or no, 13 miles from where it was supposed to be in just a lab trial and, um, the USDA fined them. And, and so there, there is some, amount of contamination of that still several years later now and there there still is some of that out in Oregon but the the bent grass I believe they recently said that they were going to commercialize that and um or actually I'm sorry the bent grass is the one that um that that they weren't going to commercialize and they just wanted to be treated as a weed. I was reading an article from someone that said that that might be because they wanted to be Oregon's um, problem to deal with instead of Monsanto's and Scott's problem to clean up. Um, so there has been, and, and and then the other, the, the bluegrass, I believe, is one that they allowed some of their Scott employees to um, to plant in their own personal yards. Um, so there may and and you know Scott the Scott company is based in Ohio. Um, so it's not a widespread problem yet because these grasses aren't commercial and out there in um, all areas of the country or anything like that. But there is some cause for concern, and I think Scott would like Scotts would like to bring out um, other types of genetically modified grass. So it would really affect the ability for us to get, you know, 100% pure non-GMO grass-fed um, beef. Um, it's not quite there yet, um, but it is something that we're going to have to watch. And again, the more people that can get on the non-JMO bandwagon, the earlier that we can turn this around and not keep just allowing more genetically modified foods to get on the market. Because when the companies start to see that more and more people are moving against them with their pocketbook, they're not going to want to pursue those products. That's good. I mean, I think that's really the core of America anyway is is all com- driven by money. And so when they see the money's not there, you know, or the money people and people with money are the ones who are aware of this kind of thing. So uh they're the one and that's why some of these foods are so much more expensive too. But, yeah. But, I mean, it's kind of like, where do you pay your money? I, I realize that buying um, non-GMO organic foods is more expensive than buying, like, processed, you know, junk food. 
But, you know, are you going to pay less on food, but then, you know, have all kinds of doctor bills and then pay for it that way? Or are you going to invest in your health with good quality foods and then you stay out of the doctor's office and, you know, you actually overcome some of these health conditions? I mean, everything from type 2 to diabetes to, like you say, weight problems to um, digestive problems. I mean, it's, it's a huge... Pardon me? Dementia and Alzheimer's. Well, right. I mean, almost everything is linked to the food we eat. And most people have heard the, the um, saying, you know, food is our best medicine. They might even believe it, but it, they don't know the first thing about how to go about making that happen. And the first thing is to take out the grains and the sugars in the diet and replace them with non-starchy vegetables. That's number one, and you're already taking care of a lot of the GMO problem that way. But it's okay, and then, it's okay to have a little bit of starches if you have some um, non-GMO potatoes and, and, and sweet potatoes and a little bit of fruit, right? Well, for most people, I mean, everybody's different. I'm not going to give a blanket, um, you know, because we're all individual and we all have our individual health problems we're dealing with. But, yeah, for most people, and especially if you don't have weight to lose, um, you know, some non, I mean, some starchy vegetables and like going with non-GMO potatoes and all that are fine. Just keep the portion size smaller and, you know, because potatoes are a um, high glycemic food, they do raise blood sugar levels, which in turn raise insulin levels. And insulin is a fat storage hormone. But, but, you, but you know, if you're but if you're starting out from going through the drive through, it's going to be you're going to have to go at your own pace as far as like, uh, you know, eat, like you're just probably the average person's going to freak out if they eat just like steak and broccoli you know it's gonna have to go I mean I can eat that all day long but it took me several years to get there you know <laughs> yeah you're right it is it, it definitely is a process but um honestly when people if people go in stages with to trying to take out grains and GMOs it can get very confusing if you just say the general goal is to try to replace those those grain products you're eating with vegetables, whichever which way you can, um, you know, that's something people can keep in their heads and know, you know, so instead of getting a chicken sandwich on a bun, you get a grilled chicken on a salad, you know, or you get a grilled chicken with some, you know, vegetables on the side. And, and then it's, <laughs> It, it really takes care of a lot of um, a lot of problems all at once and, and really dramatically improves health. Absolutely. And one thing you didn't, I don't think you got to in the grocery store is like dairy. Is there any tips about dairy? Well, dairy is pretty much the same as what I expressed about meats. Um, the, the top of the line would be organic, um, pasture-raised or grass-fed um, dairy products, if you're going to eat dairy products. I mean, a lot of people have allergies to them. Um, 
if you just bought commercial milk, there is a chance that not only would it be from cows that ate genetically modified feed, but it could also be from cows um, injected with uh, genetically modified recombinant bovine growth hormone, or RBGH, and that's a terribly nasty genetically modified product that is outlawed and banned in most countries of the world except the U.S. Um, and um, so I would recommend that if you're going to have milk products, you should at least get some milk products that are non-GMO project verified or organic because you don't want to be getting, um, getting uh, you know, we know for a fact that when people eat um, recombinant bovine growth hormone, it raises insulin growth factor one hormone, and um, high levels of that are linked to ca- cancer. So, you know, that would just be like a very prudent thing to do to go out of your way to get some non-GMO milk products if you're going to eat them. Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's why I wanted you to mention, I mean, some people who listen are, are paleo, but some people, you know, are just into real food and, um, not so strict. And, and I definitely, if I, I definitely indulge in some dairy from time to time. And that's one more thing is what, what is, so let's say you go on a vacation or you get lax in your, uh, in your diet and you eat more GMOs, what can you do to recover from that? Well, I mean, it's the same thing as if you're avoiding grains and sugars and you fall off the wagon. The best thing is to get back on the wagon as quickly as as possible. Um, That's the best way for the body to normalize itself. Also, it probably would help to use some probiotic foods or or beverages, low-carbohydrate beverages, um, things like fermented vegetables, like traditionally made sauerkraut. Um, And there are also some probiotic vegetables, uh, I mean, uh, probiotic drinks that, um, like one made by Kavita, um, that are fairly low in carbohydrates. And those replace the good bacteria. And um, we know that, um, the herbicide that's sprayed on um, on most genetically modified foods um, can um, it, it can um, hurt um, good destroy bacteria. yeah destroy the um, good bacteria and act as like a wide spectrum antibiotic um, so. So that is um, why it's important to replace that good bacteria in your gut because a healthy gut means healthy um, body. The bacteria are kind of like the insects. It kills them too, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, um, I think that that's some really good information. And, you know, I, I think people, you have to go in baby steps and don't get overwhelmed because... It is a learning process, and, you know, if you think you have to do it all overnight, and then you're going to get, you're going to feel like it's an uphill battle, and you're going to give up. So 
you know, go in baby steps and investigate sources around your area and maybe start out with your grocery store just and then move to farmer's market. And, you know, I shop about five, I shop maybe three, four stores a week, including farmer's markets, you know, so you have to kind of, it kind of becomes a hobby of, of, because the more you start to care about it, the more you are willing to put in effort to uh, go around and, and source your food. And, and the more opportunities kind of come your way for, you know, meeting farmers and that kind of thing, if you just branch out a little bit. And well, I mean, I think you're right. You know, everyone to just start somewhere. I mean, one goal to start out with is just trying to eat one non-GMO meal a day. Just try that and see if you can do it and then gradually increase from there. Um, but, um, but honestly, it's not, you know, it's hard to do it if you don't understand the reasons why so many people are doing it and why you would want to do it. So it's really important, I think, for people to get educated about about this issue, because this is honestly the food issue of our time. If we don't do something about it, all of our nature-given foods are going to start to d- disappear. And and I, frankly, as a nutritionist, you know, with a lot of experience, don't know what will happen to our health if we don't have any real food left anymore. So I'm, I wrote the book because I wanted to pr- protect my health, my clients' health, and, the, you know, all of the American people's health. And it's, um, it's, it's much more than, like, people being picky about their food. This is an issue of chemical corporations taking over control of our food and us not having access to, uh, you know, the types of God-given foods that um, allow our bodies to heal themselves and be healthy. Absolutely. And uh, if we don't take it seriously... I mean, the writing's already on the wall for what's going to happen to our health. So uh, tell us where you have some resources on your website and your book and tell us all about where we can find your work and information. Yeah, my my website is melissadianesmith.com and you can read about all my work there. Um, I, uh, if you want to specifically learn about more about the book, you can go to goingagainstgmos.com. And, um, and I, you know, I really think I looked at all the books on the market about GMOs and I felt there was a strong need for an easy to understand consumer's guide about the issue. And I can trust, I trust me, I take you step by step to understanding what GMOs are, the issues about them how you can shop against GMOs, how you can order out in restaurants Mm non-GMO, how there are more than 45 non-GMO, easy-to-make non-GMO recipes, all gluten-free. And um, so, and it's also the first book about GMOs written by a nutritionist. Is that, and now is that going to be available in bookstores or... Um, they can special order it in bookstores. Um, it's not usually available on the shelf because there hasn't um, 
you know, been, you know, that, that, uh, like, like I say, a lot of, um, mainstream companies want to suppress this information, but you can order it in something like a Barnes and Noble. It's also available on Amazon. Um, and, um, so, you know, it's easy to get if you want to get it. And they can find links through your website too. Yeah, if they go to goingagainstgmos.com, um, you can click on either the ebook version or the paperback version from there, and it'll take you to Amazon. Well, thank you so much. It really uh, is an important issue, and I'm so glad that there's, you know, somebody taking the time to write about it. And definitely go check out melissadianesmith.com. Thanks for joining us, Melissa. Have a great day. Thank you, Caitlin. I so appreciate you having me. Awesome. Go to grassfedlist.com so you never miss an episode of my podcast or new nutrition article or recipe. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. Mm -hmm.